Hey, and welcome to Good Vibes Only, a wholesome newscast to hopefully bring some good vibes to your day. Each episode, we'll look at some really cool, sometimes cozy, but always uplifting things happening around the world, look at some wholesome content, highlight an organization doing incredible work in their communities, and read out some amazing things that maybe don't make it to the news. All of this to hopefully remind you that things are not entirely terrible. All the links to the original articles and organizations will be in the description. With that being said, Let's hop into this week's news. As I mentioned last week, most of us can agree that cozy bookshops and cafes with a calm ambiance are pretty great. Well, one group in Derby, England is taking the cozy cafe vibes a bit further. Shot in the Dark is a crisis cafe that runs between 9.30 p.m. and midnight on Fridays, with a full group of volunteers in the cafe to offer a listening ear and shoulder of support. It's free, so anyone can come in and enjoy a cup of tea or coffee and chat with the volunteers in a non-judgmental space. The volunteers themselves also have resources for local nonprofits just in case the person wants more targeted help. Beth Morley, who leads the volunteers at the cafe, said that they wanted it to be a cafe to make it a more welcoming and casual environment so that people don't feel as nervous to come in and talk. People who have been to the Crisis Cafe say that the cafe is a safe space to talk over a nice cup of coffee or tea, and that provides someone outside of the family to talk to, because sometimes, even though our family can have good intentions, they're not always the right person to talk to. And the cafe is not just healing for the people who go there looking for someone to talk to, but for the volunteers who talk to them as well. One of the volunteers, Claire Sedgwick, enjoys being able to talk to people, and it's precisely because they aren't mental health professionals that people can feel more at ease to just chat with someone, and that is the most rewarding aspect for her. Other volunteers have joined the team to give back, to get to know others in the community, and to simply be there for people who are struggling. Amanda Soloway, the Derby North MP that founded the charity that oversees the Crisis Cafe, is adamant about helping the cafe to continue to grow and help even more people, saying that there are many people who may experience a crisis or mental health struggles that can get worse at nighttime, and so Shot in the Dark offers somewhere safe to go so that they don't have to go it alone. Another cafe, this one in Kenya, is also hoping to change lives through their work. The Palette Cafe is working to change people's perceptions and create new opportunities for deaf people. The cafe is located in Nairobi, Kenya, and has employed over 30 staff who are deaf or hearing impaired. At the Stylish Garden Cafe, the staff take orders using Kenyan Sign Language mimes or gestures. The restaurant has many posters on display with an introduction to basic sign language, but the waiters can also mime different actions. For example, shivering to ask if someone wants a cold bottle of water, and the customer can confirm with a thumbs up. The founder, Faisal Hussein, wanted to open a restaurant that not only served great food, but helped disabled people find work and support the deaf community. The vast majority of the workers hired had not been previously employed, and the work has been a life-changing one. For the manager, Edward Kamande, who is deaf, he says that the work has been freeing and that it has not only given him a safe space to thrive, but to advocate for one another as well. It has also become the place where he fell in love after meeting his wife, who is also deaf, when they both worked as waiters. The cafe has been so successful that other businesses have asked with help hiring deaf workers, and the cafe itself now has three branches. 
Getting the chance to work in the first place is a huge obstacle for deaf people in Kenya, and both Hussein and Kabande hope that the cafe can continue to provide opportunities for deaf people, both at their branches and other restaurants, and serve as a means to advocate for greater knowledge of deaf education in the country. And hopefully this cafe continues to inspire others. It actually made me think of another cafe that a friend told me about in Vietnam called Thuê Tan Xuan that is very similar, where the staff is deaf or hearing impaired. At that cafe, there's no set price for beverages. It's just a pay-as-you-want donation box. But there is merchandise for sale with handmade objects, all made by the staff for a set price. And there's also a wall where visitors can leave really sweet and encouraging notes for each other. So I hope that cafes like these continue to thrive and boost the livelihoods of deaf people and all disabled people. Now, social media and YouTube and TikTok specifically have all sorts of content from how-tos to dance videos to even people having their own talk shows and game shows. Well, one 11-year-old has also created his own show to help all children fall in love with books. Stanley from Hull in England created an online show with the help of his 15-year-old sister titled Reading with Stanley, where he narrates children's books to not only share his love of reading, but to inspire others as well. It's been a work in progress for them, but one that they've enjoyed, and it's been a bonding activity that they love to work on together. Sha'an, his sister, said that at the start, the camera was shaking and there was no editing or music or pictures and they weren't really sure what they were doing. But as they continued on this journey, they've been able to make it more entertaining and engaging for anyone who watches and listens. I just really liked reading and then I wanted to like show people that I can read and I want to put a smile on people's faces. Since the show's beginning in November 2020, they've created weekly episodes where Stanley reads children's books and shares inspirational quotes for his audience. And they've grown to the point where authors have now taken notice of the show and even sent free books for Stanley to read on his show. Now, after reading so many books, Stanley is actually writing his own book, one about his love of football. And it's a book that hopefully he'll be reading on his own show soon enough. At some point, most of us have probably dreamt of what it would be like to win one of those huge lotteries and hit the jackpot. Well, one Frenchman didn't have to dream of it anymore when he won the jackpot for 200 million euros. But instead of choosing to live a life of luxury, the man has decided to put almost all of it towards creating an environmental charity. The man, who has decided to remain anonymous, used his winnings to set up a foundation called Aniyama, with a mission to protect and revitalize forests and preserve biodiversity. The foundation is named after a city in the Ivory Coast in West Africa, where he spent some time living as a child. In a note penned on the foundation's new website, the founder stated that he only played during the important jackpots for one purpose, which was to devote a huge part of the winnings to create the foundation and put the money towards something that he feels very passionate about. The foundation's first efforts will be to focus on projects that combat deforestation and industrial logging, and he has also not ruled out using some of his earnings to buy a forest in order to protect it from further deforestation. In addition to the creation of this foundation, he has also stated that he will be donating money to efforts that help support hospital and family carers that have been hit hard from the pandemic. This, along with environmental protection, are things that he holds near and dear to his heart, and so he doesn't see his donation as admirable, but simply something that makes him happy. While those who now work for the foundation are on the website, 
The founder plans to remain anonymous and wants to continue to live peacefully and as discreetly as possible. All right, all right. So you know I couldn't have an episode without a sliver of animal news. Father Joao Paulo, a 51-year-old priest in Brazil, doesn't lead his mass empty-handed. He brings stray dogs to each mass, introducing them to the churchgoers in the hopes of helping the dogs get adopted. Recently, he went viral from a Reddit post last week that highlighted his extensive work for stray dogs. For those who attend his mass, it's a normal occurrence to see one or two dogs at the altar or sleeping alongside the cool aisles to escape the hot weather. Gomez is a huge advocate for animal adoption, and his Facebook page is filled with posts about adoption and how a love for animals translates into a love for others. He finds abandoned dogs and takes them off the streets, feeds and bathes them, and then presents the dog to mass to be adopted and brought into a stable and loving home. He also has food and water bowls on the sides of the church for stray dogs to help keep them fed. But his work hasn't just been highlighted on Reddit. He's actually pretty well known. Gomez was featured in the Netflix documentary series Dogs, which follows the ways in which dogs and people interconnect across cultures and countries, and his work is documented in episode 4 of season 2. And I checked out the episode, and of course I was crying by the end of it. This technically isn't my recommendation for the week, but I do encourage you to check it out if you're interested. You can learn so much more about his own story and what the work means to him. While he knows that he can't heal everything that every dog is experiencing, he says that he can at least be there for them and provide them with the space and care to know that they are loved and protected. His work has also inspired grassroots efforts to also take on this work of helping stray dogs in Brazil. And those in the episode talk about how Father Joao Paulo has been a blessing to the stray animals and those inspired by him have helped and tried to help in their own way. Dozens of stray dogs have been adopted from his efforts, and five of the dogs that he's helped were since adopted by Gomez himself. And now, traveling to another part of Brazil, an indigenous village in the Cerrado has been working to save the Brazilian forest. The Cerrado covers nearly half of the state of the Mato Grosso and is considered to be the most biologically rich savanna in the world. It has become a hotspot for deforestation, but seven years ago, the Chavante people, of which there are approximately 20,000 in the area, became a part of a movement to restore the area's vegetation and also bolster the community's fortune by collecting and selling seeds gathered on their land. The villagers frequently embark on long expeditions called zomoris to collect fruits and seeds along the savanna. After these day-long trips, the seeds that are collected are then checked and sorted, and the village, along with 24 other indigenous communities, sell what they gather to a network known as Rere de Sementes do Xingo, which is Brazil's largest native seed supplier. It was founded by a coalition of indigenous and non-indigenous people to reforest the shoreline of rivers, and the RSX is responsible for shipping seeds and help with planting them. Because of their efforts, 29 square miles of forest has been replanted, an area slightly larger than Manhattan, and the RSX has sold more than 300 tons of 220 species of seeds. Bruna Ferreira, the RSX's director, said that while reforestation can seem like a daunting task, the effort is a work of resistance that not only helps the forest, but also makes communities stronger. For the Savante people, this holds true. To them, the Zamoris to collect the native seeds is a deeply felt mission of love and community, and the importance of caring not only for each other, but for nature. 
Each seed collection on their tiring journey is an act to help heal the damage that's been done, and that makes every Zamori worth it. A lot of us took up new hobbies during the pandemic, whether to try something new or find new ways to de-stress in a chaotic and uncertain time. A grandmother from Malvern was one of those people who took up a unique quarantine hobby that has since been put on public display for all to see. Julie Thomas began making animals entirely from buttons and beads to show them to her two grandsons and entertain them on video calls during lockdowns. She enjoyed the crafting so much that she ended up making over 200 animals for her lockdown zoo. She crafted animals like meerkats, giraffes, armadillos, and the whole range of other diverse animals. Now, what's one to do with a zoo full of miniature crafted animals? Well, display them, of course. Thomas wasn't sure of what to do with all the animals that she'd made, and Longleat Safari Park was excited to display them at their park alongside their own real animal counterparts at the park. Her creations, which Thomas said were acts of love meant to make people smile, have now found a permanent home at Longleat for many other children to enjoy. Longleat was the first safari park to open outside of Africa back in 1966, and the head of animal operations was touched at Thomas's dedication to the collection, and so they were thrilled to host it and have it be seen by as many people as possible, and maybe even inspire them with their own crafts. The crafted animals went on display last Friday, and Thomas said that it felt incredible to see people going up to look at it and trying to figure out how all the little animals were made. While she was sad to see them go, she believes that the collection is now in the perfect place and that she is filled with joy to see the kids pointing at them and just enjoying it for what it is. Thomas told the BBC that she never wanted monetary gain. She just wanted to make people smile, and it has worked. And that, Thomas said, is a good way to finish things off. So for our organizational spotlight this week, because there's been a few very cool cafes this episode, I want to highlight an organization and social enterprise based in the UK called Change Please. At the surface level, they are a coffee shop with a few different locations in London. But beyond that, they are a foundation that is dedicated to tackling the homelessness crisis. 100% of their profits made from selling coffee goes back into helping people experiencing homelessness by providing them with a living wage job, housing, training, and onwards opportunities. They have an accredited training center where Change Please trainees can learn every aspect of coffee making. But beyond the work-based skills, they also ensure that the trainees are paid a living wage during their time with them and also assist with therapy needs, managing finances, and any other needs. To date, they've supported 252 people, and over 85% of their trainees who worked with them have gone on to find sustainable onwards employment. However, the part that I want to focus on is one of their newer initiatives, which is called Driving for Change. Driving for Change is an all-in-one direct intervention service that provides people experiencing homelessness with access to free GP consultations, dental care, haircuts, financial literacy training, shower facilities, therapy, and a host of other options, all taking place on London buses. Yes, you heard that right. Driving for Change under the Change Please Foundation has repurposed two London buses in order to provide these services to vulnerable homeless people in London. The buses are in action six days a week and filled with a host of services that centralize support in one place. The program is intended to run for a minimum of two years, although the founder, Samali Zal, hopes that it will be able to continue on after that 
and his goal is to roll out Driving for Change in other cities in the UK and internationally as well. If you'd like to find out more about the organization or support them, you can check them out at changeplease.org. So for this week's media recommendation, I want to recommend a book or manga, I suppose, called I Hear the Sunspot. It's a very beautiful and touching story of friendship and budding love between these two students in college. One of them, Kohei, has a hearing impairment and is very distant from people until he meets another student named Taichi who is very cheerful and outspoken and very different from him. He offers to take notes for him in class and then they get closer as they learn more about each other and it's just a very cozy, feel-good, budding romance story. Not much really happens in terms of high-stakes relationship conflicts and big dramatic reveals or moments. It's a very quiet, semi-slice-of-life love story. But the characters are really interesting and their dynamic is really interesting from the start, which is at the core of what makes it such an engaging read. Now, there are three volumes so far. I've read the first two volumes, but I haven't read the third yet, so I don't know if that's the last volume or if there will be more, but I can very easily recommend the first two volumes. I read them both over the course of like three or maybe four evenings and was just completely blown away by how well done it was. And honestly, I wish that I could read them again for the first time. They are available on Kindle, which is where I bought them, but you can also buy them from Bookshop. Each volume is around $12 each. If you do read it, definitely tell me what you think. It's been a while since I read them, and now that I'm talking about it again, I've just been reminded of how much I really enjoyed it. So I'm always ready to gush about wholesome stories like this. That's all we have this week, though I have only scratched the surface of the amazing work being done in communities and the little bits of joy that we have in our everyday lives. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this week brings you love, laughter, joy, and all the other wonderful things that life has to offer. If you have good news to share, whether it's you or your local community, feel free to email me at wholesomenewscast at gmail.com or on Instagram at wholesomenewscast. And if you want to support, the link to my Ko-Fi is in the description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.